And welcome once again to Maple Grove Covenant Church. I'm so glad that you're here as we continue to celebrate Christmas with grace because we all have different Christmas traditions. We all have different ways of celebrating Christmas. We have different ways of connecting with the Christmas story. We have Christmas carols that we sing. We have a Christmas tree that we decorate. We have Christmas cookies and Christmas traditions. And one of the things that we do at Christmas is we make a list. We make a list, whether it's a list that we write down or a mental list of the things that we want or need for Christmas, things that we are looking forward to for Christmas. And last week, we talked about how sometimes we we miss an important piece on our list, an important gift that we all need but rarely receive. It's a very expensive gift. It's a a very powerful gift. It's a gift that can change the way that we live. It can mend our hearts and heal broken relationships. It's a gift that we need the most but deserve the least. It's the gift of grace. It's a gift that has absolutely nothing to do with our performance, whether we've been good or bad. We don't need to worry about if we better not pout or we better not cry. It's a gift of grace. And last week we learned about this gift of grace and how we need to experience and express this gift of grace. And this morning and over the next couple of weeks, we're going to continue to learn more about this gift that we can receive at Christmas. But first, I'd like to tell you a story uh, a story of an experience that I had last month with some members of our church here as we went down to Minneapolis to do Love Minneapolis. Now, Love Minneapolis is an experience that we do periodically where we go into the city, and we love Minneapolis by serving in the city. And last month, we served by raking leaves. We went to different people's homes, and we, particularly, they were elderly folks, and we raked their leaves. And it was a wonderful time to get together as, as a church family and rake different people's leaves. There was junior hires and there were other younger kids and we were going to house to house raking leaves. And the second house that we went to, we were raking up the leaves and having a good time and a little nine-year-old, a little member of our church, noticed that the house next door was full of leaves. Not only full of leaves, it was full of vines and it was just, there was a lot of leaves in the house and she kind of pulled me aside and she says, hey, what if we rake the leaves of that house too? I said, great idea. And she started raking the leaves right then and there. I says, well, let's go ask for permission to rake this person's leaves. So we went up to the door. And, and the door, like I said, I mean, the house, it, it had vines. And there was a lot of, lot of leaves around. And right on the door, it said, no soliciting. So I was a little bit nervous going up to the door. But I had this little nine-year-old girl that wanted to show God's love and, and, and extend God's grace to others by raking these leaves. So we went up on the door. And we rang the doorbell. And we waited. And we waited. And we waited, and just when I thought I could leave, we, the door opened up, and out came an older person, and uh, we says, hey, you know, uh, you know, my name's Chad, this is Annalise, and we're, we're, we're raking the, the leaves next door, and we're wondering if we could rake your leaves too. We noticed that your, your yard was full of leaves, and she kind of looked at us a little bit skeptical, a little bit surprised, so I says, well, and we're doing it for free. There's no charge, just no cost. We would just enjoy raking your leaves. And, uh, and, and she looked again, and she says, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of sick. I've got H1N1, and I, and I haven't been able to get to work, and, I, and I'm kind of tired, and I wasn't even going to be able to, to rake my leaves. You know, yes, I'd really like you to rake our leaves. We said, perfect. And we went back out to the rest of the group, and we told folks, hey, let's rake this lady's leaves, and other people's came, and we started raking the leaves and raking more leaves and raking leaves, and about 20 minutes later, something happened. 
things started to appear on her front steps. First it was hot chocolate. And then it was a little, a little hot cider with a little cinnamon stick. And then it was cookies. And then it was Frisbees. And all this stuff started to appear on her front steps. And I went up to her and I said, hey, you know, don't worry about it. You know, we're just here to do this for free. We just want to give you a gift. You don't have to give us anything. But she says, no, I, I got to give you something. So she kept pouring out this stuff for us. And after we raked her leaves and we started leaving the house, it dawned on me that sometimes it's hard to receive a gift. Sometimes it's difficult to receive a gift of grace with no strings attached. I mean, she desperately needed it. I mean, her leaves were everywhere. I mean, it was in the side of the house, in the front of the house. If anybody needed their leaves, drinks, it was this lady. But there was something inside of her that says, I got to give something to these kids. I got to give them hot chocolate. I got to give them cider. I got to give them cookies. She even brought out these Frisbees, these, these stuffed Frisbees, and she piled them up. I got to do something because it's hard at times to receive a gift. It's hard to accept something that we desperately need, but we don't deserve. Because in our world, we just think that we got to give something back. we got to do something to receive this work that was done on our behalf. And oftentimes, that same mentality translates in our relationship with God. There's something that we need to do in order to earn God's love or win his approval that we can't just receive a gift. I mean, we've got to do something. We've got to earn our way. We've got to prove ourselves. We've got to do something to receive this gift. And oftentimes, we have this challenging time to understand that God just has this gift for us, this gift of grace. See, that's why last week we looked at the book of John where John opened up and, he, and we read how, how God became flesh and he dwelt among us. And he didn't come as we expected. He didn't come with punishment and truth. He didn't come with, with consequences and truth. He didn't come with, with anything else but grace and truth. He came full of grace everywhere he went, every interaction we had, everything he did, just grace just oozed out of him. It was grace upon grace upon grace. And we learned last week that God is a God of grace. And this week we're going to pick up that same theme, this this theme of grace. And we're going to look more specifically at this gift of grace. This gift that God offers to each one of us, but sometimes it's hard to receive. This amazing gift of grace. If you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to turn to the book of Romans. In Romans chapter 5, God, or, or Paul writes this excellent summary of the Christian faith. Romans is just power-packed of, of truths about who God is and how we can connect with him. And we're going to read a passage of Scripture that's towards the middle of the book of Romans. In Romans chapter 5, verse 12. It's, it's, it's the centerpiece of the, of the letter up to this point. And in this part of the letter, Paul describes God's gift of grace. And he's contrasting Adam with Jesus. So in order to uh, connect with this story or this passage of scripture, I'd love for you to stand up. Everybody stand up if you can. And we're going to read this passage of scripture together. So Romans chapter 5, verse 12. And in your pew Bibles, it is page 1116. Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Let's read it together. Therefore, Just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, 
And in this way, death came to all men because all sinned. For before the law was given, sin was in the world. But sin is not taken into account where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam who was a pattern of the one to come. But the gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Again, the gift of God is not the result of of one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of the one man death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Please have a seat. Now, like most of the book of Romans, this is power-packed with truth. There's a lot of meat on this bone, so we're going to unpack this thing together. Now, in order to understand it, we've got to remember that Paul is Jewish, and he's writing to a Jewish audience about the person of Christ. He's contrasting Adam with Jesus. And in order to understand what Paul's teaching, we must remember a little bit of the story of Adam and Eve. Now, Adam and Eve grew up in the Garden of Eden. We're talking about perfect paradise. They had a a perfect relationship with God and one another. I mean, they had no sin. They had no shame. They had no clothes. I mean, it was paradise. It was the world of grace. They had everything that they needed and more. And they did nothing to deserve this perfect paradise. They didn't do anything to earn points to get into paradise. God just simply gave it to them. He says, here, I just want you to live here in perfect paradise, this world of grace. You can, you can, you can go wherever you want. You can, you can explore. You can discover. You can enjoy me and my creation. It's truly a picture of grace. It's the world of grace. And there weren't many rules in the world of grace because you don't need rules when you're living under grace. In fact, there was just one rule. And the one rule was, hey, there's this tree in the middle of the garden. I don't, I don't want you to eat of it. I, in fact, I don't even want you to touch it because so, if you eat of it, you'll surely die. Now, maybe they didn't understand the word die because death wasn't in their experience. I mean, they just heard about it at that one time. They, maybe they didn't get or understand the word death, but they only had this one rule. If you eat this fruit, you will surely die. Now, most of us know that Adam and Eve did, in fact, eat the fruit. And they did, in fact, die. They ate the fruit, they disobeyed God, and they died. Now, they didn't die physically. That came a little bit later. They died spiritually. Their personal relationship with God ended. They disobeyed God's one rule, and they experienced the one consequence, death. Eternal separation from God. Spiritual death. And that's the backdrop for Paul as he writes Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through the one man, Adam, 
and death through sin, and in this way death came to all men because all sinned. See, sin entered the world through one man, Adam. Adam's one act of disobedience, his sin resulted in death, spiritual and physical death. And it wasn't just for him. Death came to all men because all sin. See, when sin entered the world, grace left. In the world of grace, the world of the Garden of Eden abruptly ended, and the world of death came to all men. At that moment, we all started living in this graceless society where, 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 where death is the rule of the day, where, the, where there's no such thing as a free lunch, where, where payback is king, where if you disobey, you get what you deserve, and if your leaves are, if, you're, if, you're, if your yard is, is full of leaves, and by golly, you need to figure out how to get it, that there's no such thing as a gift. We, we live in this graceless society because when... Sin entered the world and, and death, grace left. And, and sin and death then came to all men. In verse 13 and 14, we read this. For before the law was given, sin was in the world, but sin is not taken into account where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command as Adam did, who was a pattern of the one to come. See, before the law, sin was in the world. And you got to remember, this is, this is a Jewish context. They knew the law. They knew the Ten Commandments. And during the time of Jesus, there were, there were like 600 commandments. And in their mind, sin was breaking a command. Sin was based on your performance. If you do something bad, if you do something wrong from the commandments, if you break a commandment, then you sin. It was always in performance to the law. And what Paul says is, no. No, that's not the case. Sin was in the world ever since the time of Adam. When the law came, we just learned more about our sin. We just learned how bad we really are. We just learned about the severity of our sin. We now had an account, a standard to live up to, and we knew how bad we really are, how sinful we can really be. But the key phrase right here in verse 14 is this, nevertheless, death reigned. Literally, death was king. Death entered the world through the one man. Death, eternal separation from God, physical and spiritual death. Pain, suffering, death was king. Grace went out the window. Grace left, and then death ruled the day. Death was king. The first Two words to summarize these first few verses is death reigned. Death was king. Earlier this morning, my, my daughter came up to me and, and, and my wife, and we were upstairs getting ready, and she, she had tears in her eyes, and she was coming up the stairs, and she was crying. She says, hey, Michaela, what's the matter? And she says, my goldfish died. And in my mind, the thought came through my mind. It says, death reigned, you know, because that's, that's what the world we live in. Death reign, goldfish die. I mean, that's just the way it is. Now, that's not when I told my daughter. I says, you know, you must feel sad. You know, I'm sorry. But that's the world we live in. Death reign, death is king. That, that's the world we live in. That's what came from Adam, the world of death. Death reigns, even on those who don't sin. 
Even on those that weren't in the garden as Adam was. Death reigns on all of us even though we didn't disobey God in the garden. That's what it says in verse 14. Even though we weren't there, we still are under the reign of death. Now some might be saying, hey, that's not fair. I mean, why should we be held responsible for Adam's disobedience? That's not fair. And you would be right. That isn't fair. But life isn't fair. Death isn't fair. I mean, your, your, your mother was right when you and your siblings were squabbling. And you said, hey, that's not fair. And she said, hey, life's not fair. Because that's the way life is. It's not fair. Death isn't fair. But that's the world that we inherited. Through the one man's sin came disobedience and consequences and death. And that's the world. That's the world that we inherited from Adam's sin. It caused this ripple effect on all of humanity where death reigned. But, but, verse 15, but is a big but in the Bible. There's a lot of big buts, and this is one of the best big buts of the Bible. This but is so big, we got to look at it in verse 15. But the gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many. But in contrast to all of sin and consequences and death, in contrast to all of Adam's sin, in contrast to Adam's disobedience, there's this one man, this one act of grace. See, this one act of grace came into the world through this one man. And Paul is contrasting Adam with Christ. The one man, Adam, as a result of his actions, death reigned. Death came into the world by his actions. In contrast to Adam, Christ came to give us this gift. Now, Paul doesn't say what the gift is. That comes a little bit later. But he just says that there's this one man, and he gave us this one gift. Adam came, and he brought death. And then this one man came, and he brought us something completely different. And what is that? Verse 16, let's read on. Again... Paul writes, the gift of God is not, like, is not the result, not like the result of one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. Paul says again, hey, let me just say this to you again, just in case you didn't get it the first time, again, let me write this, let me explain it to you. In contrast, Adam, he sinned resulted in judgment and condemnation and eventually death. And when Adam disobeyed God, grace went out the window. We lost our connection with our Heavenly Father. And now we know that's not fair, but life's not fair, and death reigned as a result of one man's sin. But another man, the God-man, Jesus Christ, the one who came down full of grace and truth, his one act of obedience brought justification. Now, justification is a big theological term here, so I, I, I need to uh, unpack that a little bit. So I just, I just want you to say that word with me, okay? You ready? One, two, three. Justification. See, that's what God brought to us. That's part of the gift that God gives to us, this gift of justification. It's a big theological term. Now, now in order to understand what justification means, we got to unpack that a little bit more. Now, now, justification means a right standing with God. 
One popular definition of justification is just as if I never sinned. Anybody ever hear that definition before? Just as if I've never sinned. See, that's how God sees us. Just as if we never sinned. Just as if we've never disobeyed God. Just as if we never sinned. That's how God sees us. So some of us here today will be saying to ourselves, well, but I have sinned. I have disobeyed God. I have done some things that are wrong, that aren't right. How could God see me just as if I've never sinned? Well, we've got to read on. There's more to the story here. There's more to this gift. Verse 17, Paul goes on to describe this generous gift. For if by the trespass of the one man death reigned through the one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. See, here's the incredible gift. I mean, here's the moment we've all been waiting for. I mean, here's this incredible gift. Paul says, he says it again, death reigned through the one man. And we got that, Paul. We know that. We got that. Hey, death reigned through the one man. But Paul further describes this gift, this gracious gift. He describes it so clearly. He spells it out for us. Here's the gift of grace. It's the gift of righteousness. That's what God gives us at Christmas, the gift of righteousness. God not only gives us the gift of justification, he also gives us the gift of righteousness. Now, justification is great. Justification is a great deal. I mean, if you think about it, God sees us just as if we never sinned, just as if we never did anything wrong. But you know what that makes us? Neutral. You know, we haven't sinned. We haven't done anything wrong, but we haven't really done anything right. Haven't done anything good. We're just sort of neutral, kind of like a car in neutral. You know, it just sits there. It doesn't really do anything good. So, so God not only gives us this gift of justification, he also gives us the gift of righteousness. See, if justification is just as if I never sinned, righteousness is just as if I lived a life of perfect righteousness. See, that's what God gives us. This amazing gift of righteousness, just as if I lived a life of perfect righteousness. Just as if I loved God with all my heart and soul and mind and strength. Just as if I loved my neighbor as myself and I cared for the needs of the poor. Just as if I lived a life of perfect moral and ethical standards. Just as if I cared for the needing and the hungry. Just as if I lived a life of perfect righteousness. That's the gift. That's the gift that God gives to us. And we all sit back and we say, really? Are you serious, God? That's the gift? You, you really want to give me the gift of righteousness? God says, yeah. That's the gift I have for you. And you know what? It has absolutely nothing to do with your performance. Whether you've been a good little boy or a good little boy or girl, it has everything to do with my grace. See, so often we think that somehow we need to earn our way into God's good graces. That we got to do good things in order to get to God to love us. Or somehow we got to perform well in order to live this righteous life. But, 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 but God says, no way. Your right standing with me has nothing to do with your performance and everything to do with my grace. 
See, our obedience has nothing to do with our righteousness. Whether we've been good or bad this year doesn't matter. God says to us, I simply want to give you a right standing with me. I want to give you my righteousness. Because here's the truth. We all sin. None of us is righteous. None of us here today will live a perfectly righteous life, therefore enabling us to enter into heaven. None of us. We all sin. None of us live a perfectly righteous life. So God says, I'll do it. I'll come down. I'll become flesh. I'll be a baby. I'll grow up as a man. I'll live a life of perfect righteousness. I'll die on the cross for the punishment of your sin and I'll give you my righteousness. I'll give you my reward. I'll give you a right standing with my heavenly Father. Paul writes it this way in 2 Corinthians 5, 21. He says this, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. God made him, Jesus, who had no sin to be sin for us. Now we look at that and we say, hey, that's not fair. I mean, why would God put sin on Jesus? Jesus didn't do anything wrong. I mean, why, why would God? That's not fair. And you know what? You'd be right. That's not fair. And, and, and grace, it's not fair. Grace is coming in and giving us exactly what we need, but we don't deserve all of a sudden grace is intervening into a world of death and coming in with this gift of a righteous life see God gives us exactly what we need but we don't deserve a gift of righteousness theologians call this the great exchange the great exchange. Christ took our sin, our punishment, our death and we receive his righteousness, his reward, and his life. Because of Christ, God sees us just as if we lived a perfect life of righteousness. Just as if you loved God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Just as if you loved your neighbor as yourself. Just as if you lived a life of perfect moral and ethical standards. That's the way God sees you, just as if you lived a life of perfect righteousness. That's the gift. That's the gift that God offers you this Christmas, the gift of righteousness. And the key word in verse 17 is right in the middle. The word is receive. For if by the trespass of the one man death reigned through the one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? See, God doesn't force his gift on anybody. God freely offers to everyone this gift of grace. But it must be received. It must be embraced. It must be opened up and internalized. And when we receive it, we won't reign in death anymore, but we'll reign in life. Death's reign will have no more captive over us. We will reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. But we gotta open the gift. We gotta receive it. 
We got to embrace it and internalize this amazing gift of righteousness. See, all too often, we're like the woman that was, had her leaves outside of her house that needed to be raked. And all too often, we think that we don't deserve this gift, and we're right, we don't deserve it. We think that we need to do something in order to pay back someone for doing something for us. That, that we gotta give them hot chocolate, we gotta give them frisbees, we gotta do, give them cookies, we gotta do something in order to pay back what's been given or done for us. Because it's not. You don't have to do anything except receive it, except open up the gift and internalize my gift for you because there's nothing that we can do. Our obedience has nothing to do with our righteousness. There's nothing that we can do in order to earn our way into God's good graces. We, God simply wants to give us a gift, the gift of righteousness. See, that's the message of Christmas. That's the message of Christmas. That's the message of grace. Getting what we desperately need, but we don't deserve. And sometimes that's hard. It's hard to receive a gift. But here's the opportunity that God gives to each one of us this morning. Will you receive it? Will you open up yourselves and receive what you could never do? in your own strength, in your own flesh, but what God gives to you because of what Christ did on the cross. Will you receive that gift today? And some of you might be thinking, how do I receive this gift of righteousness? Well, it's by faith. It's by faith in Christ. Now, faith is simply admitting, I can't do it. I cannot live up to God's standards. I cannot follow God's laws completely. I have sinned. I have blown it. I have lived an unrighteous life. And then receiving the gift of righteousness. That's what faith is. Saying, I can't do it, and I put my faith in Christ, who lived a perfect righteousness, died on the cross in my place. See, that's the gift. Our obedience has nothing to do with our righteousness. We simply receive the gift of a right relationship with God. In a minute, the band is going to come up here. In fact, I'd like the band to come up here now as we close our time. And I want to close our time with a question. And the question is this. Have you received the gift? Have you personally opened up the gift of God's righteousness? Have you embraced the truth that in your flesh, in yourself, there's not anything you can do to enter into a relationship with God, but have you received it humbly accepting the gift? The gift of justification, just as if I never sinned. The gift of righteousness, just as if I lived a perfect life of righteousness. Because you have. You have hope. You have a future. You have a life in Christ that lasts forever. I'm going to close our time in prayer this morning. And it's a prayer of faith. It's a prayer where you can receive this gift of a life in Christ today. So with all heads bowed and with all eyes closed, let me just lead us through a simple prayer of faith. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of your Son. 
the gift of a right relationship with you. Not based on our performance, but based on the performance of Christ. He lived a perfect life. He died in our place. And we receive that gift today. We receive the righteousness that only comes through Jesus Christ. The gift of grace. The gift of a right relationship with God. And if that's your prayer this morning, if you've prayed that prayer, a prayer of receiving God's gift of grace, then you have received the gift of life, life eternal, life abundant in Christ. And we'd love to come alongside you as you grow in your relationship with God. But for now, we just say thank you, and we embrace the gift. In Jesus' name, amen. What an amazing gift of grace. However you celebrate Christmas this year, whatever your traditions are, may you receive this amazing gift of grace this Christmas. God bless you.